Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. to banish Adam and Eve from his presence. And throughout time, we see that God pursues man, but because of sin, man backs away from God, wants to live their own life, doesn't want anything to do with God. In fact, they, sometimes they wanted to be like God because that's what the devil said. But through the course of time, God chose a man named Abraham and he covenanted with Abraham. He says that, you will be the father of many nations. Abraham said, I have no children. Oh, look up into the skies. You see the stars. You have descendants as many as the stars in the sky. And through your nation, Israel, you will be a blessing to other nations. Any nation that blesses you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. And in this covenant... It's important to hear what the Lord said to Abraham. It says, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. In other words, God's covenant was God's people were ob obligated to walk in His ways to be His people. So throughout the time, course of time, people were obligated to walk in God's ways, but because of sin, they walked far away from God. But God always pursuing them until he found someone unlikely, Moses. We know the story of Moses, how the first 40 years he grew up in Pharaoh's palace, an unlikely situation, but then he killed an Egyptian soldier because his people were being tortured. And he didn't like how the Egyptian soldier was treating an Israelite slave. And so he went into the wilderness, had a family, became a shepherd. But in his 80th year, he encountered the Lord on a mountain. Imagine that scene. Another unlikely scene in Scripture that there was a bush that was burning but not consumed. And there, Moses heard this voice. Moses, Moses, and Moses says, here I am. He took off his sandals. He's on holy ground. And this is what the Lord said. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. God had not forgotten his people. God kept his covenant, but man had moved away from the presence of the holy God. And there we hear how God asked Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Through seven plagues, Pharaoh relented at the end when Egyptian sons had died at the hand of God. And there, the Israelites were led out into the wilderness. But then Pharaoh... He's very angry and said, let's have one more go. Let's kill all these Israelites in the desert. Pursued them, 
But the Lord guided his people with a pillar of cloud in the day, the pillar of fire by night. And then they were, the Red Sea was parted. The Israelites passed through the Red Sea. The Egyptian soldiers came and they were overwhelmed by this Red Sea. And so what he does is that he begins to call Moses to Mount Sinai. And the entire Israelite camp is at the base of this mountain. And Moses is called up to meet with God up in this mountain. He brings with him 70 elders and some of his very close friends, like Aaron. And they go up to the mountain, but the people of God have to worship God from a distance. Because God's presence is holy. And Moses himself is the only one that can ascend the mountain to meet with this holy God. And there, God will then establish his laws, the Ten Commandments, the law to help his people live holy lives and show his people a holy God so that they may worship him. And so God begins to speak these instructions, these laws, starting with, you must not have any other God but me. But in the meantime, the people still sinned. They were still unholy. They were still making altars for a golden calf. Man was still distant from God, but God always pursuing, always wanting to be with his people. Moses would then go up a mountain again. Again, the people must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to God. And then the glory of the Lord settled or dwelt on Mount Sinai. The Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud to the Israelites at the foot of the mountain. The glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Again, another fire. Instead of a burning bush, it consumed the mountain like fire. But by the grace of God, Moses is not consumed. He meets and hears God. And the Lord says, I want to dwell. I want to live amongst my people. I'd like you to construct what is called a tabernacle. Mishka, tabernacle. The dwelling place of God amongst his people. Now we see the amount of materials we use here is a, a lot of materials that they would gather from all the people in the middle of this desert. Now just to see just a glimpse of how intricate and how detailed and how magnificent the structure is before we think it's just a tent. Let's have a look at this quick animation video for two minutes just to get a glimpse of how the inner courts were built. Let's have a look at this. Can we have sound as well? Thank you. And thou shalt make boards for the tabernacle of shittim wood standing up. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. Two tenons shall there be in one board, set in order one against another. Thus shalt thou make for all the boards of the tabernacle. And thou shalt make the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards on the south side southward. And thou shalt make forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards two sockets under one board for his two tenions, and two sockets under another board for his two tenions. 
And for the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, there shall be twenty boards, and there forty sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And for the sides of the tabernacle westward thou shalt make six boards, and two boards shalt thou make for the corners of the tabernacle in the two sides. And they shall be coupled together beneath, and they shall be coupled together above the head of it unto one ring. Thus shall it be for them both, they shall be for the two corners. And they shall be eight boards, and their sockets of silver sixteen sockets, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards on the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle for the two sides westward. And the middle bar in the midst of the boards shall reach from end to end. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold, and make their rings of gold for places for the bars, and thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. Sometimes we think it's just a tent, but this was a magnificent construction in the middle of the wilderness, fit for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. See, the tabernacle was made a way for a holy God to live amongst unholy people. A holy God to live among unholy people. For the Lord said in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. So now we don't just have God's covenant, not just God's law, but now we have God's very presence. God could live amongst unholy people who He chose so that they could worship Him. Now when we look at the book of Leviticus and through the uh, books of the Bible, the tabernacle is referred to like th with three different types of names. First is the tabernacle, which emphasizes on the closeness of God's presence. Second is the tent of meeting, which emphasizes a place of meeting between God and man. And third is sanctuary, which emphasizes the sacredness and the holiness of that place. Now, the tabernacle is approximately just under the size of an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So the compound is huge. The courtyard takes up a lot of that space, but there, that rectangular little building that we just saw just now is the tent of meeting. And covering it was an actual tent of three coverings, the final one of goatskin. And inside there is two very important rooms, the holy place and the holy of holies. Now, it's important to know where the tabernacle was situated. Remember, in the past, the people of God had to worship God from afar. In fact, the first tent of meeting where Moses met with the Lord was outside of the camp. It was tent of meeting version 1.0. This is tent of meeting 2.0, the tabernacle. And there it dwelt right dead center in the midst of the entire Israelite nation, right in the middle. 
God was right present, right amongst them. And when it was about to be constructed, everything had to be consecrated. Everything had to be made holy, fit for the Lord's presence. They took anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and make it holy. And then, once it was constructed, this dramatic scene of the cloud of the Lord that covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Lord would say in the book of Leviticus, this is what He says, I will live among you. And I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God. And you will be my people. This is the covenant relationship. And there are laws so that it helps you to be my people. However, despite the Lord's presence being with them, they would still live unholy lives. The Lord will write from there that people will still choose to walk away from God. In fact, they will be in exile because of it. However, this is what the Lord would say. But despite all this, all your sins and all your waywardness and all your rejection and rebellion, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord. Their God. The tabernacle made a way for a holy God to live amongst unholy people. And also, the tabernacle made a way for God's chosen people to worship a holy God. Remember what Moses had to tell Pharaoh? The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to tell you. Let my people go so that they can worship me in the wilderness. The tabernacle is a very fascinating place. It was right dead smack in the middle of this Israeli camp. We will see there that in the midst of this wilderness, the pillar cloud descending upon the tabernacle, filling the God's glory of the tabernacle. Surrounded by this fence to say we're separated because of my holiness, the priest could enter into this tabernacle. And the first thing you would see from the eastern side is this altar. Upon this altar, they would have to make sacrifices because they had to confess sins and give thanks to God. So we see this is not an exhaustive list, but this is some of the offerings that we will go through in the book of Leviticus. And in these offerings, you'll notice something here. In this form of worship of offering, there was atonement to be made. To say, Lord, we are sorry. Confessions of sin, asking for forgiveness, asking for restitution, to surrender to God. But there's also, notice this, thanksgiving for God's provision, for His guidance out of Egypt, for His guidance in the wilderness. You know, it's, Amazing to think that this tabernacle was mobile. We saw all the gold and all the silver and all the bronze had to be used. They'd have to have rods so that they could carry the items out. It's amazing to think that this thing was 
movable. Why? Because God wanted to be with His people. They could give thanks. This was the type of offerings that they will bring to our holy God. The Lord would say this, These burnt offerings are to be made each day from generation to generation. Offer them in the Lord's presence at the entrance of the tabernacle. There I will meet and speak with you. Don't miss this last part. I will meet and speak with you. Wait a minute. Isn't this another unlikely thing to happen? A holy God meeting with unholy people. It is grace. It is favor undeserved. Yes, they made these offerings. Yes, they would have to purify themselves but yet sin is still in the heart of man. God wanting to not just meet, but speak. So we enter into the tent of meeting. After making sacrifices at the altar to ask for forgiveness of the sins of the people, the priest would then come and see the next part, which is a laver filled with water to wash his hands and feet in the act of purification, and then enter into the tent of meeting. And there are three furnishings. First is the light called the menorah with seven candles that burn 24-7 to offer light in this holy place. Second is the bread of the presence, a table with 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel and God's provision and presence. Third was this altar where it represented Esther's Incense rising to God like prayer, and behind the veil is the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. This was the most holy place. No one could go in there, otherwise they'd be struck dead. But once a year, the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement to ask God to cover all the sins of the people of Israel. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a magnificent structure, bathed with gold, and on top of it was a lid. And this lid was referred to as the mercy seat. Now, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take blood from the offerings, and then he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat to symbolize the sins of the nation are covered for one year. But throughout history, this would prove inadequate. For man would still sin. God was still pursuing his people. And God had a plan. Out of his grace and out of his mercy, not to strike all his people and utterly despise them, he sent his only son, Jesus. Who was Jesus? In the book of Hebrews, we read, Jesus is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices each day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. 
But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for people's sin. Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for the sin's people. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world, with his own blood. Not the blood of goats and calves, with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Let the words of life sink into our spirit and hearts. With his own blood on the cross, he secured our redemption forever. He displayed complete mercy. Jesus is the perfect tabernacle. And today, we get to worship Him. We are even called holy, but we must consecrate ourselves daily and meet with Him each day, offering our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is our act of spiritual worship. But are you meeting with God? Do you desire to be before this holy God? Are you cowering from Him? Refuse to approach Him? Desire to live your own life independently from God and only crying out to Him when you need Him? Is there a hunger and a desperation for a holy God in your life, in my life? Is there a desperation for the holy God to be on this planet, in the nations, so that the nations will bow before this God and worship Him to recognize His grace, His mercy, and His love? I'd like to ask you this question. You see, Jesus wants so much to be with you. Our senior pastor said the other day, Pastor Ke Kyong said, God is more excited about meeting you than you are about meeting Him. He has done everything that He can to be with you, giving His own life for you. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you want to be in God's holy presence? And how desperate are you to see Him present throughout the world? Ask yourself this question for the next minute. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you want to be in God's holy presence? And how desperate are you to see Him present throughout this world?
One day you're sitting at home. Maybe you're working from home. And suddenly you hear a knock on the door. You take some time, you know, for the man, you put on your shirt, you know, that kind of thing. You go to the front door, you open it up, and there's all these people in front of your house. You can't believe it. And right standing right at your gate is Jesus Christ himself. You go, wow, the Lord Jesus is here. You start worshipping him. And then the Lord says, no, get up, get up, get up, get up. And you stand there and you go, hang on a minute. Uh, Jesus, uh, just give me a second. I hope you don't mind. Uh, 0.5. Hey! And it's all over the news. It goes viral. And you're standing there, stunned, like a vegetable. And Jesus says, let me in. Oh, you unlock the gate. You let Jesus in. You sit down. Oh, you dust the, the seat. Oh, Jesus, sit down, sit down, sit down. Go get tea. Go get coffee, go get Milo, get over tin. You call Grab Delivery, you order Pizza Hut, uh, Jigwe, everything that you can think of. Uh. And there you are with Jesus, just the two of you. Now, CNN, CNA, everyone wants to interview you. You say a few interviews. What makes you so special? I don't know. He just on the doorstep. What do I do about this? They all go away, and you are with Jesus for hours. You're talking to him. You're telling him everything. You're saying to him, yeah, so I went to high school here. Not that you don't know, but you know already, but I just don't want to tell you anyways. <laughs> Jesus is listening to you. Didn't Jesus tells you that he's the bread of life, the light of life, and all that kind of stuff. And before you know it, it's midnight. And you go, oh, Jesus, can I call you a grab to go home? No, I want to stay at your place tonight. Oh, wow. So you go to your master bedroom. You clear out your wife and everyone. And you let Jesus sleep there. You're sleeping on the floor thinking, wow, Jesus is in my house. Tomorrow morning, I shall wake up early. I shall go to Chumbara Market and I shall buy 20 loaves of jikwe. But you wake up in the morning, you smell this thing. Wow, it's a very nice smell. And you realize that Jesus has cooked you breakfast. His specialty, broiled fish. And so there you are having breakfast with Jesus. You call your boss, you say, I'm not going to come in today. I'm with Jesus. You're taking the guns by the bay. Jesus goes, I made that. I made that. I created that. I did this. I did that. You're thinking, this is great. This is so cool. Everyone's following you. You're with Jesus. You go home. And Jesus says, can I stay here for a while? Sure. So you get him sing tail, uh, every kind of big plasma TV for his room. You know, room service 24 set. One week later, you have to tell Jesus, I've got some bad news. I have to go to the office. I can't take that much leave. You just stay here. One month later, Jesus sometimes sits at the dinner ta table waiting for you, but you already dab out dinner. Years go by. He is still there, present in your house, wanting to meet with you. See, there's a difference between him being present and you meeting him and worshiping him, isn't there? How much do you want to be in God's holy presence? How desperate are you to see Him present throughout the world? Perhaps today you say in your heart, I'm a one, but I desire to be a three. Perhaps some of you here, I'm a five, but the Lord is challenging you to be a seven. Perhaps some of you are a 10. Then the Lord says, be a 12. Develop a hunger for me, says the Lord. I will be with you. I will walk among you. I will be your God, and you shall be my people.
thus says the Lord. How much do you want to be in God's holy presence? How desperate are you to see Him present throughout the world? The Lord really speaks, and your heart is convicted and says, Yes, Lord, I want to move up two notches up that scale. Help me, Lord. Now, just very quietly, allow the presence of the Lord to be here. Allow Him to speak. If the Lord has spoken and you feel convicted in your heart that you want to move up that scale, you say, yes, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me that I have not desired your presence enough. I want to be in your holy presence. Help me, Spirit of God. Help me, Lord. I invite you just where you are just to quietly stand before God. Just quietly stand. As we stand, I'd like us to just be very quiet again before God and prepare ourselves to lift our voice to Him soon, to declare how great Thou art is. Lord, we come into Your holy presence today, Lord, and we ask that You forgive us. For You've done everything that You can everything that you can to be with us, God. Not just to be in our presence, but for us to approach you with confession and contriteness and brokenness and to say thank you, God, to offer our lives as a living sacrifice to you, to not just live in your presence, but to meet with you, God. to allow you to speak to us. I invite us to just lift up our hands before God right now. Come on, lift it up to Him and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you meet with us. You meet with me. Cause my heart to hunger after you, Lord. Long for you, God. Desire you each day, not just here in this place, but especially when we're at work, when we're with our spouse, with our family, with our friends, with our army buddies, with our peers in our classes. Oh Lord, come. Come and fill this place. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your voice. Thank you, Lord, for your word, the scriptures that speak, and for your Holy Spirit that teaches and guides. Thank you, Lord, for your church, that we, the people of God, may meet with you right here and worship you and declare how great how great, how great thou art. 
Thank you, Lord. Let us sing this song. Oh, Lord, my God, and I in awesome wonder consider I see the stars. I see the stars. I see I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe display. Come on, let's lift it up to him and declare. This is my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. And how great Thou art. Then sings. Then sees my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. And when I think. And when I think that God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. Then on the cross, then on that cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away can we go to the third verse the third verse let's sing the last stanza of this song then Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation, with shouts of acclamation. Then I see home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow. Then I shall bow with humble acclamation and there proclaim how great, how great thou art. No music, no music. Here we go. Then. 
Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great. How great thou art, how great thou art, one more time, how great thou art. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.